0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to For the Girls. I don't know about you, but I feel like there's been so much news this month around F1 Academy, so we thought we'd do a bit of a deep dive on the upcoming season as our February For the Future edition. As a reminder for those that are new here, this is our monthly mini series on celebrating women and diversity in motorsport, which is Very, very important. And today we'll be talking about all of the amazing drivers that are going to be racing in F1 Academy this year, those that we do know that are confirmed, and talking a little bit about their sponsoring F1 teams. And then we'll just give you a quick rundown on what to expect for the season. But the most or the big part of the conversation today that I'm really excited to have is just talking about why F1 Academy really exists and why we think this could be the make or break year for the series. And not to be dramatic, but like really everything it represents, I think this year is going to be super important. So let's get started. I'm Chessa.
1: And I'm Tiggy. So F1 Academy, let's start with the basics. What is it? It is an all-female racing series that is the brainchild of F1 CEO Stefano Domenicali, with massive support also from the CEO of Liberty Media and, of course, Susie Wolf. So Susie Wolf, who we <laughs> know and love, is the managing director of the series. She herself is actually one of the very few women in history to have driven an F1 car and... Really the main goal of the series is to provide a legitimate pathway or pipeline to F1 for female drivers, which we'll discuss in much more detail. But we got to go to Austin and kind of see some of the the behind the scenes for that first co-located race with F1 and just saw how optimistic Susie is and the whole team is about the work that F1 Academy is doing. And she thinks that we will see a woman in F1 in the next 10 years. So they're doing the good work to, to hopefully make that happen.
0: Bless up. That would be amazing. Actually, in researching this episode, I found a lot of research on when people think there'll be a woman in F1. And a lot of people are, have like the perception that it'll happen in the next five years. But I think when we talk today, you'll understand that there's actually a lot to be done and F1 Academy is doing so much to achieve it. So Yeah, if we talk about why this is going to be the make or break year for F1 Academy's goal of getting a woman into F1, there's a lot of context and background to get through. First and most obviously, we need to talk about the obstacles blocking women getting into F1. As a historical reminder and as Tiggy mentioned, Susie is one of very few women to actually drive an F1 car. It's been nine years since she did her F1 practice sessions for Williams and it's been almost 50 years since Lella Lombardi competed in F1 and scored half a point. We also had Jess Hawkins over December drive in an F1 car, but less for like an official test or in a point scoring capacity and more so as as an event. So there are amazing women doing this but we have a long way to go and Unfortunately, the levels of women participating in motorsport has been very, very static for years. It hasn't surpassed 4% in decades, so it's just kind of like flatlined. So there's a long way to go. And I think the first place to start here, it makes sense to just talk about the obstacles that block women from getting into F1. There's a lot of them. We did a lot of research on this episode, and there's two that I want to mention up front, not because I think they're legitimate obstacles or barriers to entry, but they're more like excuses or scapegoats or sort of like stereotypes about women getting into F1. The first is that there just isn't women that are interested in racing or enough women that are interested in racing. Again, I don't think it's an interest thing. I think it's going to be about – the role models and the pipelines and all of these things that would actually get a woman to be interested in racing. And how do you know what you want to do if it's even a possibility for you if you don't see anyone else doing it? So that's kind of like a fake excuse that really has a lot to do with pipeline, which we'll talk about. And then the one that I just want to completely call BS on right now is that women simply don't have the same physical ability or pure skill as men. Um, there was a study called Inside Track by the amazing team over at more Than Equal that did a lot of research on this and they basically show that there is no actual reason why women can't be F1 drivers and compete at those levels. And so let's move on to talking about some of the real reasons <laughs> why women have not yet reached the upper echelons of F1 yeah
1: cannot even give that second one the time of day or the first, honestly. So (laughs) when it really comes down, uh, what it really comes down to, I think is the entire pipeline or funnel that gets women into motorsport and ultimately F1. And we've talked about this before, but if you look at F1 today, most, if not all, of the drivers started super, super young. All roads to F1 begin with karting. And while it's mostly centralized in Europe, there's been a long established kind of blueprint for young, mostly boys, to get into F1. And for women, There just isn't this early detection system in place. And there has been a huge void in terms of development programs that take young girls with potential all the way through to fruition as potential F1 drivers. Like even beyond karting, if a woman is able to get her foot in the door in motorsports, the road to making it all the way is much, much harder. So. The, the inside track study that Chessa mentioned, most drivers, male and female, start in motorsport between ages 10 to 16, but females are almost twice as likely to retire. Hopefully we'll see that change with something like Girls on Track and other initiatives. But yeah, when you don't have these programs or this infrastructure starting young women and girls off super young, it just makes it so much more you know, impossible or improbable yeah. for people to make it through.
0: And that infrastructure is like I think the biggest thing because infrastructure has to have so many people and stakeholders bought in and it needs to be sort of like a long, long time thing that's been around to help. And so if you want to do something new and create a new infrastructure for a new person, it's going to take a lot of work. But to get to your point about pipeline issues, it's kind of what I was talking about a little bit at the beginning where – if there's no pipeline, there's no drivers. And if there's no drivers, there's no role models at the highest levels of women, of motorsport for women. So I think all the things that F1 Academy is doing, which we'll talk about, will kind of help achieve that goal of just having really badass women that other younger girls can look up to. So it's going to be huge.
1: Totally. And that's the thing about these obstacles is like they're all very deeply connected and interconnected and and one that comes as a result of everything we just discussed is a lack of funding and a lack of access to track and testing time. If you don't have a pipeline, if you don't have, you know, if you're not generating that interest, it's very hard to get sponsorship and to get funding. So the inside track study we mentioned, that came up a bunch. On the funding and sponsorship side, the study quotes a female driver saying, quote, it's getting more expensive to find the sponsors to support you. As long as women's motorsport series sit separately from men, it's not going to be taken as seriously. And in terms of general access, female drivers get significantly less track time compared with male drivers throughout their careers and struggle to get the same access to training and facilities. And I just want to say that this is a solvable issue. Like we're seeing women's sports has had an absolutely incredible past year. There are very mm-hmm. there are sports that do this really well. Like I think tennis, surfing, there are others, but you know, F1 is is getting there. But I think calling all these things out is really important.
0: Yeah. The facilities thing, the study even said like it would be as simple as making sure that there's enough female bathrooms at these tracks for for girls and changing rooms for them. Like yeah. it needs to start Right from the beginning, and I'll never like there's a lot forget. Of be done.
1: I think one of our first interviews with Christina is at Alpha Romeo oh, yeah. was saying she had to walk like multiple floors to even get to the bathroom as a CFD engineer. It's like at her office, crazy. Yeah, at her own, yeah. at her home office. It's, it's wild.
0: A long way to go, but. If we want to go back to F1 Academy and how F1 Academy is addressing these gaps, they are really doing a lot of amazing things and its mission is so strong. So if we're going to rea- just to reiterate its mission, it's to provide a viable avenue to F1 for women, aka for it to be a legitimate feeder series into the F1 pipeline. So the ideal goal and they have like a really nice chart showing this, but it's to go from F1 Academy then to F3 then to F2 and finally to F1. So it is a development series for girls at that crucial inflection point from karting to a single seater that will eventually get them into F1 and we had the privilege like Tiggy mentioned of going to their sort of kickoff event in Austin at the end of this season uh, at the end of their first season but sort of kicking off the the co-location and F1 sponsorship and and partnership and I think it really is a very very strong mission. People there are very very dialed in and they seem at least from what we sense to have a little a lot of good buy-in from the parent organization of F1 itself.
1: Yeah, it was really great at that event. I think we've talked about this on the podcast before, but just to see some of the F1 personalities showing up, like we had a lot of the team principals there. Obviously, Toto um was there, but Fred Vasseur, Stefano Domenicali, a lot of F1 people were there, which is good because you need that buy-in from the entire organization.
0: Okay, friends, it's festival and concert season, and you know it's all about the boots this year. That's why you need to make Takovas your number one place for festival style this spring. And don't forget to shop their seasonal and limited edition offerings, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. We love Takovas; They have a first wear comfort, which basically means there's no break-in period. It's the best thing ever. So stop by your local Takova store, have a complimentary drink or two, and shop new styles. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personal personalized and with regular live music and events there's really no in-store experience like it if you can't make it to a store though just visit tacovas.com t-e-c-o-v-a-s.com they offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and they ship right to your door go to tacovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today women's health is so important and balanced hormones are key for that we've been loving hormone harmony from happy mammoth who's committed to making women's lives easier Hormone Harmony contains adaptogens, science-backed herbal extracts that help the body adapt to stressors like hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. We love it because it helps us maintain optimal hormone levels and supports our mood and general well-being. There is a reason that one bottle of Hormone Harmony is sold every 24 seconds. For a limited time, you can get 15% off on your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use code F1Rthegirls at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code F1Rthegirls for 15% off today. We all need a little extra health booth sometimes and Fleur Marche makes it easy for us to supercharge our wellness. Their botanical wellness patches have been such a fun addition to our routine. We just stick them on wherever we want. They have them for sleep, relaxation, focus, and other things. And the patch delivers ingredients to your body in a subtle but effective way and the results last up to 12 hours. Fleur Marche also has botanical gummies and their new organic nutritional powder green machine. They only use the best ingredients and are tested for potency, contaminants, and heavy metals before and after production.
1: And one of our favorite things, we also love that the company is founded and inspired by women with the mission of helping us feel 100% every single day so that we can have full energy and crush it every day. Find your new wellness essentials at fleurmarche.com and get a special discount just for our listeners. Get 20% off your first order site-wide with promo code girls at checkout. Orders over $50 also get free shipping. Go to fleurmarche, F-L-E-U-R-M-A-R-C-H-E.com. Use code for the girls for 20% off your first order. So if we want to talk about why... F1 Academy really is solving all of these obstacles that we talked about. I think the best place to start is with the quote from Susie Wolf herself, the legend. Yes. Uh, She says, quote, The concept of F1 Academy is to create a platform where women can be nurtured to progress further up the ladder, but also to inspire the next generation and to create opportunity not just on track, but also off it. And when you think – about the pipeline issue and the subsequent lack of role models in the sport, F1 Academy, we think it really is filling that void. I mean, just think about the partnership with F1, all of the visibility, sponsorship opportunities that come with that. Hopefully, in the next few years, we'll see increased participation in the sport amongst young girls everywhere. And while there are currently no women slated to compete in Formula Two this season, we do have Alpine academies, Sophia Florsch, who will be competing in F3 this year. And this is very exciting. After only one year, it seems that F1 Academy is already kind of contributing to the pipeline. Last year, Marta Garcia, the champion of F1 Academy, secured a fully funded Formula Regional European Championship by Alpine, which is right below F3, but a step above F1 Academy. It's amazing. So that's very exciting. And just another quick mention on the karting side of things, beyond just F1 Academy, there are programs like Discover Your Drive that seeks to address the gap. It launched last summer to increase talent pool at kind of the grassroots grassroots level. And the first program in the UK was focused on karting. It's already making a difference. Um, there is a quote that says, we went from 18 girls to 65 girls trying to qualify for the British Indoor Karting Championship. So that's, that's very amazing. exciting. That's amazing.
0: Getting people interested at the early levels, but yeah, I definitely think F1 Academy is doing huge things on the pipeline thing. Um, And what we talked about earlier as a huge obstacle too is funding. I think we fully understand like drivers need to gain a lot of access to money to even be in in motorsport. As we know with F1, it really doesn't come cheap. I mean, think about it like you start karting at ten years old, basically have to move your entire family to Europe, have a bunch of cars. Travel around a bunch. It's got to be one of the most expensive sports. And I think most of the time, you really do need to get access to all levels of funding and sponsorship in order to succeed and continue going from level one to level two and all the way up to F1. And I think, wow, what, and I think like F1 Academy is doing a really good job at the funding. Obviously, in F1, like a lot of the seats are not fully self-funded, but a lot of the drivers had to bring a lot to the table in terms of sponsorships to make these really viable deals. And I think with its partnership with F1 Academy, or with its partnership with F1, F1 Academy is able to help a lot on the funding side. So they give every single driver uh, $160,000 of funding for their own seat, which is amazing. It kind of like gets them more than halfway there. And then this year, the drivers only have to contribute only um, $100,000 <laughs> of six their figures. own. figures. Yeah. <laughs> but it's giving women like the the boost they need. It's all about like um, equality and not fairness. So if, like if, if everything was fair, everyone would just have to contribute their own way. But if you think about equality, it's like women do need that first $160,000 to help them get in their seat and then they can get the visibility into the full sport and potentially gain access to further sponsorship deals to help pay the rest of their way. But – It is really huge for sponsorship dollars. To elevate these women to larger platforms is to give them new sponsorship and new media opportunities that then will kind of have a snowball effect and help them extend their reach even further. And now from a F1 perspective, it's really, really huge because they can tap into the power of the female dollar. Apparently, women's sports are predicted to generate over a billion dollars in global revenue this year, which is three times what it was in 2021. So there's a lot to be said about the sponsorships and, and the female dollars involved.
1: And even in the past few weeks, we saw the announcement from Charlotte Tilbury, like there are different types of sponsors and different types of brands that are becoming interested in sports and in motorsport, which I think is so exciting. And we could have a whole conversation about the kind of sponsor landscape and how that's changing and how that's better serving both women athletes, but also female fans as well. So I think more and more brands are kind of tapping into that and the interest in, in female sports is really... Skyrocketing, which is super exciting. Um, one other thing to mention is there are a lot of other amazing initiatives out there, but what I think sets F1 Academy apart in terms of actually addressing all these obstacles that we've talked about is the unique relationship with F1 and the announcement that they made recently that we talked on a previous talked about on a previous episode that the top five drivers in the 2024 driver standings will receive FIA super license points. So that is huge. Uh, I think we've said before, but you need a certain number of super license points to drive in F1. That has blocked some amazing drivers from even getting their foot in the door. There was the drama with Colton Hurdle last year where he didn't have enough super license points, despite being a very, very successful IndyCar driver. So it's great that this series is kind of starting that early And giving these women the super license points required so they can start to build that up. The other thing is wildcard entries. So we will have these at a few select races this season to allow entry for talented young women from the host region to race. At races where there will be a wildcard entry, Prema Racing will operate the fourth car and the driver will be eligible to score points in the driver's standings, but not for the team. So that is exciting. The driver can score points Um, I love that they're giving more opportunities, especially from the host region. So that's super exciting. And then the last thing is just F1 sponsorship, which gets these women access to world-class facilities, trainers, engineers, mentorships, potential sponsor deals. There are some teams that are really doing this well. I think McLaren is doing this amazingly, integrating Mm -hmm. Bianca, for example, into the organization. It'll be interesting to see kind of how... Other teams do it. I have loved seeing the F1 Academy drivers at these launches, like at AlphaTauri, sorry VCarb, um, <laughs> Red Bull. Um, most recently, those were really cool to see. Kind of the Alkabasi sisters up there, Emily as well. So it's been really fun to to see the women up there um, for the first yeah. time.
0: And I think one more thing to add before we talk about like why we we think this is such a make or break year is that F1 Academy is doing all of these things and filling all of these gaps. And it's still really, really good quality racing for the we- women competing in the sport. Um, there had been, you know, some concerns from some of the drivers that by moving to an all-female racing series like F1 Academy versus a traditional mixed grid, that competitive and competitiveness and level of pace were going to decrease. But actually, it was the opposite. And um, by the second half of last season, the gap between all top 10 drivers was under three-tenths of a second. So it was an extremely cr- close field. And Hamda Alkabasi was quoted saying that, like, if anything, she got better at driving, her pace got better, and it was actually really competitive and helped her improve. So another win there for F1 Academy. Yes, we love to hear that. So like Chessa
1: teed up, why does this year matter so much? I think – it's really just the beginning, but this year is vital. I think Susie has been doing a ton of work, ton of press, and lately, you know, one thing she talks a lot about is how this has to be something much more than just a racing series because without the entire mission that we've talked about of building the pipeline, F1 Academy will just run out of drivers. It needs to do more than kind of just exist as a standalone race series. So Susie has said that by the end of the 2025 season, so only two seasons from now, it will become clear if her vision is going in the right direction. So while 2024 might not be the kind of make or break decision year, there really is only a very little amount of crucial time to make this work. So there's a lot of hype around the series, rightfully so, and it's definitely the year to kind of strike while the iron is hot. um, Susie had a quote that says, if this doesn't function, nothing's going to function. And I absolutely love that determination. Yeah. I mean, I think they're really well-poised. She's doing she's doing the right thing so far.
0: Yeah, it's, it's such a huge mission because it's not just about, like, getting one of their current drivers into F1 at some point. It's about changing the entire perception and the status quo of the entire sport that is Formula One. And what I think they are doing so well is that it's showing everyone that globally that the sport can be diverse, the sport can give opportunities to women, and women can compete at these really high competitive levels. And to your point, Tiggy, of striking while the iron is hot, I think the most important thing, in my opinion, for this year is not just for F1 Academy to do well and set out to do what it said it was going to do, but it also needs to continue to build that continued support from F1. I don't want to call it a leap of faith, but F1 needs to continue to take that leap of faith and provide real consistent backing to the mission and make it a reality. And so Susie said, quote, please don't look at this as a woman's thing run by a woman, which is so true because right now, unfortunately so, the true decision makers or a lot of the decision makers are men and it needs to be a group effort. And I think that's why F1 Academy is so poised to do like so well because of that unique relationship they have with F1. Totally agree. So before we wrap,
1: here is a little preview of the F1 Academy season and the amazing lineup of women we have so far. So we don't have everybody confirmed, but as a reminder, the grid is 15 women aged 16 through 25 split into five teams running three cars each. So this year, like we've mentioned, we have the added support of all 10 F1 teams who will each back at least one driver on the grid. The season starts in early March and will feature seven rounds across three continents, all co-located with the F1 race weekend in that uh, region. So listen to our kind of all about F1 Academy episode to learn about how the race weekends are structured, um, and then we'll give you a little intro on who is confirmed so far. So like we said, it's not fully confirmed, but here's what we know. Art GP. We have Bianca Bustamante from McLaren. So she was signed first. She was signed in Austin, announced first, which was super exciting to see. We got to interview her on that weekend and just the whole energy was amazing. So excited to see what she's going to do this year. Also for ArtGP, we have Leah Block. She's the American who's driving for Williams. We also have a new joiner for ArtGP. We have Aurelia Nobles who signed with Puma and the livery just looks so cool. Another driver who's sponsored by an awesome brand who's already involved in motorsport. Um, she's Brazilian. She raced an Italian F4 last year. So super exciting to welcome her to the grid. She's also part of the Ferrari Driver Academy. MP Motorsport, we have the Alcubesi sisters. So Hamda, she will be racing with Red Bull. Amna will be racing with uh, VCarb, Visa Cash App RB. (laughs) And then we have Emily DeHughes, who's also racing for Red Bull. And as a reminder, we interviewed uh, her race engineer, Charlotte Phelps, uh, last year. So check that interview out if you want to hear more about kind of what that relationship is like with
0: Emily and what it takes. And to wrap up the last three teams, so we have Prema Racing. They are the... um reigning champions for F1 Academy on the constructor side, um, if you want to call it that. Uh, we have Tina Hausman. She has been signed with Aston Martin. We have Dorian Pinn, who's incredible. She was signed with Mercedes very recently. And then we have Maya Woog. She is driving with Ferrari. For Rodin Carlain, Roden Carlin, or maybe I think it's just Roden this year. We have Abby pulling with Alpine. We have Lola Lavinfoss, who is not been signed with an F1 team, but her entire car and livery is sponsored by Charlotte Tilbury. So it's gonna be incredible. It's another really awesome example of what women can do when it comes to getting amazing sponsorships when just given the opportunity and the platform. So that's really great. And for the last seat in this team, which was also recently announced, is Jessica Edgar. And then final team is Campos Racing. We have Carrie Schreiner. She'll be racing with Sauber Academy. We have Chloe Chambers, who is going to be racing with Haas. And then the final seat will be Naria Marti. And she will be sponsored by Tommy Hilfiger, which is just another great example of how having women in the sport can bring new brands to the table. Overall, we really hope that you guys enjoyed this episode and that it not only gave you a sense of you know, what F1 Academy is going to be doing next year, but why it's so important and the entire mission and all the amazing thought and ideas that have gone behind creating this incredible series. We're
1: so excited.